0: Morning. For a while there, I thought it was going to be a nice, sunshiny day. Well, we had a good sunshiny morning, didn't we? This is Peter John. You're tuned in to Rogue Grace here on KAPL. May you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christ. Peter ends his letter saying, so I guess it's kind of a lifetime assignment, is it not? To grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let's do that, right? You know, you think about, I I love doing a series of sermons I get to when I am Privileged to preach at the Applegate Fellowship. What an honor. But I get to preach on David. And I'm reminded that he was punished for what he did, right? You you know that. Whether it was with Bathsheba or counting the people. He was punished, but remember. Remember, he was under the law. He was a new covenant guy, but living under old covenant times. Hence, I call my series, the gospel of David. Twice he had two death sentences hanging over his head. So, you know, I I know that you and I are, are not perfect And we have a couple of things in our lives we could say, boy, but for the grace of God. Well, David did too. And so he was banking on, he was counting on that there was more than the law. And as you read through Psalms, how many times can they say, does the psalmist say, including David, burnt offerings are not really what you desire? And so David writes and wishes he could see our day. Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. I love that. Thank the Lord David wrote that. He didn't, I I think the Lord David didn't write, Blessed is the one who never sins. Although that would be true, Jesus never sinned. But the Apostle Paul takes that phrase that David wrote, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. And it's found in Romans chapter four. And he is saying how blessed you are at Applegate Fellowship because your sins are not imputed. Blessed are those who go to Applegate Fellowship because their sins are not imputed to them. So much so, even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than David or John the Baptist. Yes, you might be least in the kingdom of God. Probably not because I think I hold that position. I really do and I'm not going to even tell you why, but I do. However, that's still, even if that would be you, you would still be greater than David. You would be greater than Moses. You would be greater than Solomon. You would be greater than Esther. You would be greater than John the Baptist because as great as they were compared to us, that's how much greater Jesus is than them. And you are not in David or in Esther or in Moses. Dear Christian, you are in Jesus Christ. I like doing this radio show.
1: good one you can say. I can see clearly now the rain is gone I can see all obstacles in my way Gone are the dark cloud that ate me blind It's so bright sunshiny day It is a bright bright sunshiny Sunshine day, it's a bright, bright sunshine day. Bright, bright sunshine. Day.
0: Okay, we got the point, big guy. It is, at least in my heart, because it doesn't look that way so much outside the window. But good stuff when you remember that God is light, and in him there is no shadow of turning. That makes it a bright, sunshiny day, as it were. David was a new covenant-minded king. King living under the law. And I think that's kind of, I don't know if I want to use the word humorous in light of today. When I think there are so many Christians who are old covenant minded living in the time of grace, David was new covenant minded living under the law. I think, man, there are so many Christians in my observation who are old covenant minded living in the time of grace. But David knew one day we would all be priests. I think that's why he could eat the bread, the table of showbread. I think he had this inclination in his heart when he was hungry. Remember that he got, I'm hungry. We need to eat. I don't have anything. The priest says, Well, give me the bread from the table of a showbread. Wow. It's quite uh, presumptuous. But the priest gave it to him. I I wonder if David knew, you know, I wonder if he knew in this covenant, I'm not allowed to eat this bread, but I'm in the new covenant. There was something in his mind. I'm not sure. I'm just wondering. There was only one place in the Bible that literally says Jesus was angry. He, I'm assuming he was angry in the temple when he turned over the tables. I know he wasn't angry with tax collector who would follow after him or a, a, a prostitute who would wash his feet. But he was angry one time at Pharisees. It's the only time it says he was angry. He was angry. What makes him angry? Lack of grace. It says in the text, he was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And he was angry with them. So what grieved Jesus and made him angry? The sin of sinners, of tax collectors and prostitutes. That's not what it says. The hardness of their hearts is what made him angry. In fact, that word angry is also associated with grieved there in the text. And that same word for grieve, when it says he was angry and was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. The same word is found in Ephesians 4 when it talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit. So what grieves the Holy Spirit? Let me look it up, read it to you, because I want to put it in full context. We often hear, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, as we should not in Ephesians chapter 4. Absolutely. What then grieves the Holy Spirit? That's what I want to think about. It's the same word that is used when Jesus, one time it says Jesus grieved, and it was regarding the Pharisees. But in Ephesians chapter four, it says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. (laughs) I mean, I can't get away from this. That's why I call it show grace. Paul writes, no, don't speak corruptly but only build up that it may give grace to those who hear, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So grace, even grace is tied into, is the foundation for the scripture. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Grace is, means speaking unmerited favor. It means to compliment, to build up, to bless others in the name of Jesus. Even in this text, it's not saying don't speak profanity when it says that, as I just read to you in Ephesians chapter four, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Now there are places where the Bible does say don't speak crassly or profanity, but that's not here. You might assume that's what it means. Corrupting talk is not profanity in light of the text. Look at the context that comes before and after. Before, build up. Afterwards, after the scripture that is used that I speak of and about about uh, not grieving the Holy Spirit, it speaks of do not slander. Okay but be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another so before and after that scripture about speaking words of grace before and after that scripture that says do not grieve the holy spirit what does it mean to grieve the holy spirit slandering cor- not uh, corrupting talk that comes out of your mouth By corrupting talk and slandering, it's means specifically as it's explained. Don't be criticizing. Bitter. Angry. Do you know Christians? And I hope I'm not included in that group. If you do, I just hope I'm not. But do you know Christians That are not doing what the Bible says here. They are grieving the Holy Spirit because corrupt talk comes out of their mouth. What is corrupt talk? It says in the very next verse, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And the verse following that, it says, do not let clamor or slander or malice come out of your mouth, but be kind one to another forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do you know Christians who don't do that? They're always bad mouthing. They can never encourage. I I think I do. And that's sad to me. That's what it speaks of when it says that grieves the Holy spirit as I, I'm not just making that up. I don't think, I think I'm looking at the scriptures and I am taking it into context That's the heart of your God. He wants us to be one. He wants us to be those who speak kindly, or as it's been said, don't say anything at all. He wants us to be those who build up with our words, encouraging each other. Are you good at encouraging? No, you say I'm not. Well, just do it. That's what I would say. Encourage your son. Encourage your wife. Encourage your friend. Build them up. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit.
2: There's a support, your love is like a river flowing from my heart. When sharpened words have left their scars, your love is like a river flowing from my heart.
0: if you drink too much, if you drink too much alcohol, you will at some point, if you are drinking too much, I, I know I talk about grace. It's that's good. It's true. But the plain fact is at some point you will go before the great white judgment throne that's right drinking too much leads you to the great white throne of judgment oh I'm not speaking about the throne of God no (laughs) do you know what other great white throne of judgment is for you if you drink too much (laughs) Maybe you could put two plus two together there. So don't drink too much. For example, losing your temper all the time will leave you with no friends. So you're not being judged or cursed by God. But grace will give you wisdom so that you don't end up at the great white throne of judgment or losing all your friends. You know what I mean? Spend time with the Lord. See, the cool thing is, the more you spend time with people, generally speaking, right, that they can become irritated with you or annoyed with you or know you, quote, too well. But the more time you spend with God, He loves it and enjoys it. Uh, You know, when it comes to this guy, Pete, the more time you spend with me, the danger is you'll get annoyed with me or tired of me. That's why Proverbs says, don't always set your foot in your neighbor's house. They'll get tired of you. Good advice. Good wisdom, Proverbs. That's good advice for young married people too. Give each other some room. Or a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Give each other some space so that the other person actually misses you. Once in a while, it's good to let her or him actually miss you. That's why we have a saying, familiarity breeds contempt. You don't want your boyfriend everywhere he looks, he sees your face. You don't necessarily want that. But this is not true of God. The more you spend time with him, the more happy he is, blessed he is. He loves spending time with you. The more you take from him as you spend time with him, the more you bless his heart. Wow. No wonder it says about our God. It implies he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Familiarity breeds contempt with us, but not with you and God. The more you know him and the more you make yourself familiar to him, quote unquote, the more he loves it. I can't believe that's true, but it is. I do believe it's true, but I can't believe it's true. You know what I mean? I mean, God, you you know everything about me, my thoughts, my heart, and you still. Still want to interact with me? You are desiring that I talk with you? What a privilege to come boldly to the throne of grace. So yeah, if you're dating somebody, give them their space. Yeah. So often familiarity breeds contempt, but not with God. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. As you know, the Apostle Paul writes in the Ephesians. You've heard this before. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are to grow up, Paul says, literally. We are to grow up in every way. And how is that indicated? Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. So if I cannot speak the truth, but I can't speak in love, quote unquote. Or if I can't speak in love, but I can't speak the truth, I need to keep my trap shut. If you are about to say something and it's kind, but not truthful, don't say it. Or if you're about to say something that's truthful, but without love, it's not kind, don't say it. Don't use word inflation or over-exaggeration that's only going to cause people to tune out. See, being less than truthful is not being loving. In the long term, you're just hurting that person. Not only are you hurting that person, but I believe you're also hurting yourself or I'm hurting myself when we're not speaking something that's both love and And truth. It's just one or the other, if you would. The reason we're hurting, not just the other person, but hurting ourselves is because this distortion of reality will bring about isolation at some point. People will begin, in other words, to tune you out. People will tune me out. My kids will tune me out. Your kids will tune you out. Your spouse will tune you out so quickly or maybe over time, either one. If you're always speaking the truth with no love or always speaking love, but no truth, speak the truth in love. You know, that's why in the wild West, so, so to speak, back in the 1850s, if you distorted reality with a lie, it was a deadly offense. You could they, they would shoot you for that. That's how important it was that you spoke the truth. Because if you lost that, you lost everything. And it really is same true today. I'm not saying we should get shot. Not very many of us would be alive. But Here's the example. Let's look at the cross of Jesus. Look at the lengths God and his son went to. Look at the lengths that the son of God went to, to speak the truth in love. The cross. The truth is, the cross says, you're a sinner. The love is, I love you more than you can imagine. That's what I need to do as a dad with my daughters. Speak the truth in love. The truth is, sweetie, I, the truth is you just crossed the line. The truth is that's unacceptable. But I love you just as much now as I ever have before you did it. And that's not going to change. You're special to me. I love you. See, that's what we can do as parents. Speak the truth in love. You can do that with your spouse. Speak the truth. But if you can't do it in love, then shut up. See what I'm saying? I love that scripture. Let us speak the truth. In love. God did that for us through his son on the cross. The truth is, you're a sinner and I have to lay down my life for you, but I love you more than you can imagine. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. He loves us, and that is the truth.
3: Justified Because of you I have been justified Jesus you have made me new inside Inside Sanctified Because of you I'm being sanctified I was dead, but I've been made alive, alive in you. You took my filthy rags. You took my filthy rags. You took my filthy rags And gave me robes of righteousness Justified Because of you I have been justified Jesus, you have made me new inside, inside, sanctified, because of you I'm being sanctified. I was dead, but I've been made alive, alive. Took my you took my filthy rags You took my filthy rags You took my filthy rags And gave me robes of righteousness
0: bet you do. They raised the speed limit on the freeway. Here in Southern Oregon, we have all of one freeway, but they raised the speed limit on the freeway, not in the Rogue Valley, but at least in California, they raised the speed limit to 70 miles per hour. Remember that? That was a big deal from 65. I remember when I was a kiddo up to 70. So let's say you're going, uh, 70 miles per hour down the freeway. And all of a sudden you see the lights on behind you, the state trooper on your tail. You pull over, you know, I am ticketing you. Don't you? He says, No, sir, I was going 70. I'm going to ticket you because you're not going 65 miles per hour. Now, if they pulled you over for that, the best thing you could do would be to remind the police officer. There's a new law. I don't know if you didn't get updated on this or not, but I don't know. 15 years ago, Speed limit went up to seventy miles per hour. Oh 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 really? That's news to me. He said, yeah, look at the sign right over there. And it says seventy miles per hour. Oh I'm sorry, I shouldn't have wrote you the ticket. Well you know what? That's exactly what the devil does. He tries to prosecute you as a lawyer, as a cop, as it were. With the law. But that law is no longer viable. It's no longer legal. It is antiquated. It has been fulfilled. It served its purpose, which is to show us how desperately we are in need of the grace of God. So don't let him flash on the lights and pull you over and drag you down and write you a ticket. No, no, no. He has been robbed of his power of death. It is the law of sin and death. But now you are under the law of spirit and life. The devil used the weapon of God's law to condemn you, but that law has been fulfilled. So keep your pedal to the metal. (laughs) Stay in the fast lane of God's grace and his mercy. Continue on. Don't get pulled over by guilt and condemnation when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, not in yourself, not in how well you keep the rules. Too many of us as Christians tend to do that, but on the fact that Jesus kept all the rules for us. Praise be to him. Credit goes to him. He is worthy of our praise. I know some of you agree with that. Thank you for letting me talk to you about The Gospel of Jesus Christ on this Tuesday morning. You can check out the show if you want on my website, Peter John Corson, or contact me through that website. Love to interact and talk with you. But, much more important than that, you can contact Jesus Anytime you want, just talk to him. He's made the way. God bless you.